You are listening to Rindung's Invisible Spectacle. Sit your fucking ass down and listen up, chumps. Three, two, one. Everybody, welcome to Ride Dogs Invisible Spectacle, the number one, the single greatest, the highest quality content you, that you will find on the internet. Uh, and today, we're actually recording in front of a live studio audience, it, it, but it's also really to say that we're just actually uh, by ourselves and we don't have any guests to interview today. But we're, we have such a great program lined up for everybody. So audience, please give us a hand. Oh, God. You guys are so nice. Yeah. Oh, man. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I love him. Wow. It's such a great day to be alive, isn't it? Just remember that. Kind of always keep that at the back of your mind. Okay. Um, if you haven't already, please follow the show on either Amazon Music or Spotify. And be sure to follow the podcast's official Twitter account at RIS is number one. You can also send me your friend request on Facebook, and I will deny it. So uh, let's get to it. Um, we are going to be reviewing uh, WandaVision and uh, Cobra Kai. And then we are... Uh, also going to be discussing a few things before we move on to those two big segments. So those are the those are going to be the only two segments for this show, and for this episode in particular, because it is uh, actually RIS number six, part two. Now, um, that's actually a really great segue because I, I want to uh, I wanted I wanted to actually break down what the format of the show is like, and and specifically the the RIS episodes. Um, but before I, I get into that, let me just say that I want to do more sub-episodes just by themselves, random content, putting them out on Spotify. I also have a YouTube channel that's being developed. Um, I have RIS clips that are coming out. So um, if you guys uh, want to support the channel, please go ahead and subscribe to Rydog's channel on YouTube. Um, you could also find uh, some of the links that I have on my Twitter. Uh, if you go down on my timeline, you'll, you'll find uh, some of the clips are still there. So I know I only have two, um, but it's just a very like some of the best segments that we've had on the show so far. Uh, and and please feel free to share them with your friends. Uh, the only two that, that are out there are um, the, the one of them is called Our Universities Turning Students Into uh, Activists. Or is it, I think that the, the title is <laughs> is somewhere along there. And the other one, of course, is um, How Excited Are We for the MCU? Uh, and then it's where Deanna and I discuss all the new upcoming MCU movies and how excited we are for them. Um, okay, so for the format of the show, um, so we we do um, I do two things I do two very different things that I think I'm objectively good at, and that's not I'm not saying that to be pretentious or narcissistic. It's just. Um, I think it's just my area of specialty and and where I think the re uh, the show uh, really shines. So I think for the the um, RAS is is really divided into two parts. Um, the first one being politics, um, the latest political topics, and I, I make sure to handle those as responsibly as I can because you know in when the time comes for this show to have. A larger audience or if it even gets an a larger audience we want to make sure that we're as responsible as possible and in, in 
critiquing everything uh, the right way objectively and to make sure that we have all the right sources, all the right information out there. Um, so I usually do that with another person on the show. And then the other part uh, that the other half, rather, that we do, um, we I, I specifically focus on um, uh, character analyses from different shows and movies. And, and it's mostly shows and movies that have come out recently. Um, and and I, I do uh, like a breakdown of the plot development, but I also um, I also make caricatures out of everything that goes wrong in those films and shows. So like um, like what you would find on YouTube with different creators out there, I what I normally do, and I, I guess this is the the best part about Spotify is that you can actually um, I do pretty much the same thing where I like I I will look at a clip. Or, or not a clip, I'll uh, relay and and repeat what a character said and I'll blow it up and and just sort of uh, critique that for for lack of for uh, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. Um, I, I guess you'll get to see what what the kind of direction the show is heading in once we actually get to that segment, but that's just to give you an idea in your head. but um, but yeah, um, I point out things. I blow up all the flaws in a very fun and hy- hyperbolic way. And I-, I hope all of you have caught wind uh, of that by now. I did that with the uh, with the Mandalorian shows. And I did... Um, and and I, 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 I did that um, as, the, as season two was going on. But yes. So for... Man- uh, I'm not... So first of all, Mandalorian season two is over. So the the show that RIS is going to be focusing on right now is actually WandaVision. So we're going to be following all those episodes and, and, until um, the beginning of March when the show ends, uh, or at least season one ends. So uh, yeah, just so you can all be aware of that, uh, that's the direction that the show is heading in, and and we um, the two parts is, is something that uh, that we are going to go be continuing with with uh, moving forward yes and uh and the other thing that i wanted to announce was that i i'm i'm hoping that we can move to tiktok and and that way um this shit would could actually go viral um and i don't mean that in like a desperate way actually maybe i don't know i don't maybe you can just you could just interpret that for for what for for how it is but um but yes, uh, we want we want to expand to Instagram, TikTok, and all of that, and that will come very soon. But it just uh, it requires patience on on my part, and also re- requires patience from requires patience from all of you too. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, Cobra Kai was certainly interesting. So let me get into that right now. So the one thing that I was going to mention with Spotify was that uh, it doesn't require you to look at it uh you can easily have your screen off and play it i just i I think that is uh, i mean for some people it's a little bit preferable a little bit more preferable than having to look at the screen and to uh, see it in order for you to know what's going on but uh yeah i think there's a real advantage to having a podcast and and having uh it laid out for you because i'm going to describe to you uh, everything that i'm looking at okay even porn i'm gonna i'm gonna show you i'm gonna give you all the details okay i'm not saying that the show or its creators or its producers or its hosts uh rather 
will ever watch porn on the show, but I'm just, I'm saying that if it were to happen, I would describe it to you in detail. Anyways, um, so I am super excited to talk about Cobra Kai. Uh, I actually spent some time with this one um, because originally what I was going to do for uh, RIS and number six, part two, uh, was break down my thoughts on Wonder Woman 84, uh, Cobra Kai, and then another one that came out, um, uh, which was actually directed by Robert Rodriguez. And it was called We Can Be Heroes it was released on Netflix. And it actually featured Shark Boy and Lava Girl, except Taylor Lautner was actually not even in it. Um, but too much time had passed and those movies weren't trending anymore and neither was Cobra Kai. So I wasn't going to do Cobra Kai either. At least I was like thinking about cutting it off. But, um, since I, I was following it for a little while, I just thought like, uh, you know what? I think it's better to actually review it and go over some things because yeah, like there were some things that happened in the show that actually resonated with me a little bit. And so much cheese that oozed out of it that it was just there was i'm just gonna say that it was a lot going there was a lot going on and too much for me to just ignore and sweep under the rug so ride alex invisible spectacle doesn't do that okay um so yeah I'm, i'm gonna be reviewing it um but so without further ado let me just talk about the karate kid franchise and my history with it uh okay so uh where do I start? I don't have any deep emotional connection with this franchise or fucking Daniel LaRusso for that matter. In fact, the first Karate Kid that I ever saw was actually in 2010 when the remake came out in theaters and it was with Jaden Smith. And uh, and there were so many things that I liked about it. but And I remember being in the theater in agony <laughs> because... Well, when it first came out, I went to go see it with my neighbor, and I remember having to pee the whole time. And not only that, I was was a growing boy. I was a growing boy, and I had to stretch my legs. And I was in the middle of the fucking row while the theater was was jam-packed. And I remember there being um, some heavyweight people around me, and they required a lot of space. And I was just a young kid trying to, like, kind of invade on on their personal privacy, or their, their space, rather. And and they, they, they just kind of looked at me every time I did it, so I felt bad, and, you know, I tried to be reasonable. But, yeah, I it, it was a horrible theater experience, aside from a really great viewing experience. That didn't really make any sense. Uh, the movie was great. I loved I loved the movie as a kid. I loved uh, the fucking Justin Bieber anthem, uh, Never Say Never. That was, yeah, that was my anthem for f- the five years after. Five years after that. Uh, I mean, I was like probably one of the only uh, heterosexual males that was listening to uh, Never Say Never in high school. Uh, but people didn't know about it because uh, I would be made fun of. Or they would they would make fun of me if they knew that. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, but um, I saw the fucking, um, what do you call it, the the original Karate Kid a few years later, and I thought it was pretty good. It actually came out on ABC Family before it was called Freeform. 
I remember liking the movie. I never saw, but yeah, uh, I always jump too ahead of myself. I never saw part two or part three, nor did I watch the next Karate Kid with uh, the, the lead actress that was in fucking that movie with Clint Eastwood. I don't remember the name, but it was it was a uh, million dollar baby. No, that probably wasn't the name of it, but let's continue. Anyway. Anyways. Um, Cobra Kai. Yeah, dude. Uh, okay, so I liked the first two seasons when they came out on YouTube Red. In fact, that was like the first place that I ever saw the series um, before it came out on Netflix in 2020. Uh, I saw it in 2018. I, I remember it was my second year of college. I was procrastinating. I was procrastinating on an assignment like I shouldn't have. And I, I remember binging the entire first season um, like up until 4 a.m. And Mr. Preston, if you're listening to this, yes, I have asked that assignment. Um, and then I... Yeah, I watched season two a year later and I thought it was pretty cool. The fight scene at the at the end of... The fight scene at the end was just fucking bonkers. And I, I remember like earlier this year I was telling, or maybe late last year I was telling uh, my, a couple buddies about it. And I was like, dude, it's finally on Netflix. You got to check it out. It's so bingeable. It's so fun. Dude, you're going to, the last se- the last episode of season two is fucking nuts, man. It's fucking bonkers. These kids go crazy. They, they're fucking, <laughs> they're, they're showing their colors. Not not their gang's colors, their true colors and their their animosity, and they're they're just waving knives at each other. It was fucking bananas, man. Um, yeah. So yeah, I saw that and uh, yeah, I liked it. And then season three, ooh, uh, um, it was more cheesy than usual. I'll just put it that way. And and we're gonna get into it. Um, I want to talk about Crease. I want to talk about Johnny. I want to talk about my pitch for seasons four and seasons five. Um, but man, was it fucking, it was just oozing with cheese. It was just like, um, how should I describe it? It was like a, like some fucking nacho cheese, uh, that's moldy, not moldy, but it's like, it's like borderline moldy, you know, this is, and, uh, it's, it's been in the refrigerator for like a week and a half, you know, that's, it's, it's that type of cheese. Um, so let me get into something real quick that you probably should be aware of when it comes to Cobra Kai. The creator of the show is not Ralph Macchio, William Zapka, the the guy who portrays Johnny Lawrence. It's a guy named uh, John Hurwitz. John Hurwitz, uh, he, uh, I'm looking at IMDb right now. He directed, let me see, 11 episodes and he wrote 31 episodes, and he's been there since the beginning. And he actually brought everybody together, so he's the head honcho in charge. He wrote, directed uh, a majority of it, even though there are other people credited as writers and directors. But he's he's the guy, right? And uh, and Ralph and William Zapka, uh, they always like refer to to John as a, as a head honcho when they're whenever they're in interviews. You know, they always defer the decision making to that guy. So. But that guy has a history in Hollywood, and it's not a good history. So let me just bring his movies up. So he's credited on Google. If you look him up, he's uh, credited as an American screenwriter. He was born in 1977. He's born 
Uh, he wrote books such as Justice in America. That st the stuff doesn't really matter. And I'm just reading to you anyways. He he did um, like fucking spinoffs for Harold and Kumar. I've never seen those movies at all. But okay, so uh, these these are the different ones that he did. Or that he was involved in, at least. Harold and Kumar, Escape from Guantanamo Bay, American Pie Reunion 2012, Clock, or, no, I'm sorry, Cock Blockers, Cock Blockers, I want you, I want you to, to really let that word sink in, okay? I, I need you to understand what kind of writer this guy is. I'm just kidding. Uh, and then the other, the other movie that he did was uh, American Pie 5, but I think that's, that's that has yet to be released he's okay um the, my only take on that i, I guess it, it works for the show and there have been other screenwriters out there that have proven themselves like i'll give you the best example todd phillips with the hangover movies like they regress the first one was really good and the other two um okay so my personal <laughs> I always delve into these rabbit holes, right? The other two, um, according to fucking Rotten Tomatoes, right? It's it's about like maybe two-thirds of the score of the Rotten Tomato score that the original had gotten. They're not as good in, in the public's eye. And nobody likes them, but I do. I, I like The Hangover 2, Part 2 and Part 3. Part 3. Yeah, they're, they're both really good movies, in my opinion, right? Because I, I just like the... The dynamic between the three leads, uh, fucking Zach and Al Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms, and and uh, Bradley Cooper, they're all amazing, like as friends together. Uh, but he did Joker, and and Joker is like heavily revered in the film industry, and DC wants to make more like it because Todd Phillips broke the mold, and and he and he uh, went beyond expectations. So I think that's what this guy did. He he started with like fucking C movies and written, wrote and directed them, and and then he uh, he transcended into a higher level. And I I guess like I guess if you already create a mold for yourself, like it's very hard to get out of that mold, and especially in the Hollywood industry, you're not very taken very seriously if you do fucking spin off movies for Harold and Kumar. Um, but yeah, this guy pro proved himself and he made something fun and he did the, the Cobra Kai uh, series. So those are my general thoughts on that. Uh, the segment is over. No, it's not. Uh, in your fucking dreams. Okay. So uh, um, overall, um, the story has... I'm going to be referencing certain moments and how they're indicative of the story's overall cringe and cheese. Then, like I said, I'm going to be doing a character analysis on Johnny and Kreese. Uh, the difference between them. But let's get into that juicy pus cringe, shall we? I want you to I want you to really seek in, sink in that, that, um, that analogy there. Yeah, okay. So, like I said before, I'm going to be showcasing certain moments. But before that, I will just give an overall rating. I think it's about like a 7. I'd say it's a 7. Kreese comes in and he's the bad guy he's the main antagonist and uh and then it's johnny he's broken at the beginning daniel he's more or less like frazzled by by the events that took place at the in the finale of season two 
and they're trying to find out what what's going on with Robbie, if Miguel will ever recover, and if they can bring their karate dojos back. So that's happening. Crease, on the other hand, uh, he's like, nah, these like with with his own dojo, right? He goes over to his kids, uh, he treats them like shit, and then he goes, oh, um no, I don't think you guys are tough enough. This this was not like the original Cobra Kai that I had before. This is not 80s Cobra Kai. <laughs> and then he and then he does white the whole white power thing. Just kidding. No, he can't do that. I'll get into why he can't do that. No, he's not he's not a white supremacist. I it just like I don't know. Kind of reminds me of one though. Not a white supremacist. Not just uh anyways. So, yeah. There was uh Crease, he he says, "Wow, these kids are nerds. I'm going to increase uh, the strength of my core. And so what, is he, what does he do? He goes out and then he goes looking for new recruits. But this is the thing that kind of bothered me. And this is like where it really highlighted the cringe. and uh, Not the cringe so much, but the cheese rather. It highlighted the cheese because the guy, he goes, ends up going back to the Asian bully that was in season one. He goes over to him and then he says, Hey, man. Uh... Would you like to uh, join? Oh, okay, no, no, no. Okay, so I, I'm remembering how like this is all playing out in my head, and he, there's a whole montage where his captain is having, is speaking to him from the past. He's like, um, I will f- mold you into the ultimate soldier. Are you in or are you out? And so in the flashback, he's asking if. Uh, He's asking if Kreese wants to join the captain's elite squadron of soldiers and then flash forward to what's happening in present day in the montage. He goes over to the Asian bully from season one and then he's like, hey, do you want to do you want to come in and uh, become the ultimate weapon? I will make you into the ultimate weapon. The, the guy had no incentive in coming back. <laughs> he... So Chris, 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 whole thing is, hey man, uh, I I want you to come and work for me, and I want you to actually uh, commit a home invasion for me. Are you down for that? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, man. But the kid, he's like, he's he's a jock. He's in his last year of high school. He's wrestling with other students his age. He's doing fine. He seems like he's not handling any resentment uh, towards Miguel for beating him up in season one. He's perfectly fine on his own, and he's already kicking ass with his his wrestling. And he's he's an AP student. He said he was like an, an advanced chemistry, like in one scene of the movie. But then Kreese goes up to him, this fucking high school kid, and he's like, "Hey, uh, hey man, do you want to become the ultimate weapon?" And the Asian the the guy he says uh I'll I'll do it yeah man for sure <laughs> so but it didn't really make any sense because the the crease actually made him commit assaults home invasions and everything that would everything that felons do basically it's in and he treats it like as if a war is going on in in crease's head and he's making the kids do his bidding and the kids are not even really incentivized to to go along with it they're just he's just like oh i will make you into fucking badasses but that kid's already a badass he's he's fucking tearing up the kid that he's wrestling with on the ground in that scene that that he's shown in 
So it doesn't really make all that much sense. He just says, yeah, I fuck with it. I'll, I'll do it for you. There's a lot of there's a lot of cringe moments that 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 we have with the with the bully. Like uh, when he's fighting everybody in when they're all committing the home invasion together and with with uh, God, what's what the hell is their name? I always keep forgetting the characters names on the spot, but um, they do it. They're fighting like Lip and him. They're fighting together in in the scene where the home invasion takes place and and he says something really cheesy like huh, these suckers never had a chance baby because they're like fucking poning them and shit and and yeah like they're actually kicking ass and, and beating up the other kids the other side and then but it, it just it just sounded like off they're they're teenagers they're they're allowed to use the f word they've already they've used the f word countless times throughout the duration of the show. So why couldn't he say, Oh, these fuckers never had a chance or these fucking nerds never stood a chance against the Cobra Kai's man. I mean, that's what I would change it to. I mean, it's, it's respecting the tone while also sounding more badass and realistic for that matter. It just has a lot of preteen habits too. I mean, I'm not going to focus on, on the bully anymore. The bully that comes back for his revenge. It seems like he's doing fine again. He's in AP classes. He's in wrestling. He's, I bet, like, the kid should be worried about fucking scholarship deadlines. And and getting in touch with, with recruiters. Not, not somebody that's promising them to form them into the ultimate weapon. What kind of bullshit nonsense is that? That's not realistic in any way. But Cobra Kai is not fucking based in any, any sort of reality. And that's what I want to get into. That's the beauty of Cobra Kai. And that is the essence of the pitch for season five. Season five, baby. Um, but I'm I'm riffing a lot in this episode, and I get that. But I want you to stick with me, okay? God. All right. So um, here we go. Uh, there's a lot of preteen habits. They're not throwing any real insults at each other. Um, they're not calling each other like fucking nerds or douchebags or assholes. I mean, they are, but like, it's, it's very, it's, it's just mild, soft core porn. We want like hard, full penetration, baby. Um, that was, that was uncalled for. I get that may, may, it may, may have, may have made some of you listeners out there a little bit uncomfortable. I get that. That's fine. Uh, I'll try to refrain from using that type of language again, but uh, yeah, so they don't throw any real insults at each other and and the reason why I also said softcore porn was because the like the romance is not like in any way sexual and I talked about this uh, with my previous guest that there's like there's obviously sexual tension between some of the characters, but it's like it's very preteen-esque and they like they're not they're, they're not I, let's just put it this way they're not like trying to sneak off into a van and get it on right they're just like oh let's kiss let's let's make out and 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 that's as far as it goes um i remember seeing this the show one time and this girl she says uh hey um why don't we uh finish this project so we can have more time for kissing it's just not realistic, but for, for preteens and it's okay. It's aimed at preteens, but these are teenagers acting for preteens. That's what I meant to say. And, 
and it's it this this type of romance, this preteen esque romance, is mostly between Miguel and Sam Larusso, and and uh, and they're just barely like pecking at each other. They're not going on like they're not going into hardcore mode. Let's just put it that way. All right. Uh, and I'm dwelling on this for too long, and I get that. Um, but you know, the dad walks in on them, and he's like, "Whoa!" He like, "Hey, let's just." you know be careful with the with how far these karate lessons go kids and and then they're always like oh don't worry dad we're gonna we're we'll make sure to have a condom on i don't know they never they never uh okay um so the next thing that i wanted to mention was uh, elizabeth's shoe which i guess was a little bit better sweet in the moments that she shared with uh johnny and ralph macchio but it just uh, it just kind of, kind of felt cringe, you know. And and you must be thinking to yourself, well, Ride Dog, what do you mean by that? You you're saying that everything is cringe. What's not cringe? And I get that, but it just felt, uh, to me, uh, forcibly nostalgic and shoehorned in, like they just, they just put Elizabeth Shoe into the Karate Kid. Uh, karate kid slash cobra kai world because she exists you know not because like oh we want some like type of resolution for the characters now i mean yeah i don't know yeah i just i think they I, it was nice it was nice and i don't know why i have a problem with it but it didn't it just didn't feel like it needed to be there so that's all i'll say about that yeah i knew that they weren't going to uh to make Johnny fall in love with her. And it, like they built up a romance um, that was already pre-established. So it would have been a waste if they just, if the, if uh, Miguel's mom had just walked in on them kissing or something, it would have been awful. Uh, yeah. The other thing, before I get into Johnny's character, I, because I'm about to go into the deep drive right now, I will say that I was kind of upset that they, that they didn't include Stingray. He was probably, uh, if you don't remember who that is, it's a fat guy that that knocked some kids against the locker and applied to become a secret security guard and was the oldest member of the Cobra Kai dojo. But he was pretty funny. He was, uh, <laughs> he was, he was a pretty cool guy. Three, two, one. Everybody, welcome back to Rod Dog's Invisible Spectacle. Uh, you probably just listened to a commercial right now. You would have listened to a commercial right now if I had any sponsors. And sponsors will come soon. Um, <laughs> but I, I just took a really long break and now I'm back. Okay. And I'm going to be talking about Johnny and his character. I'm going to be doing a deep dive on that. Crease. Um, give my interpretation of those characters and then uh, I'm going to be pitching my ideas for seasons four and five. And what's also great about this particular segment, especially the the third, uh, the third part of it, is that I'm going to clip it, post it on Twitter, and at John Hurwitz just to see if he likes any of my ideas. Maybe I could become a screenwriter for him. Who knows? But um, yeah, uh, so. 
there's there's confirmation for a season four season five is probably not going to happen i think it's uh for the way that they're growing right now um they're just going to probably finish it off with the season four have high stakes whatever right uh but i've I got some ideas of my own, and I I think it'll work great for Cobra Kai for and for its uh, its cheesy camp and uh, cheesy campiness and uh, and the, the the surreal type of nature that that the characters end up in and the and their types of uh, circumstances. So I'm gonna go into Johnny a little bit. Okay, so Johnny, um, I love Johnny and his anti wokeness. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an anti-woke guy myself, but I, I think for Johnny's case, he, he just defies everything that's already been uh, established, and so he defies all the rules that we're currently still in the midst of agreeing on in society right now, and he doesn't give a shit about any of it, and I think that's why people like him so much, and... But this guy is also a broken man. He had one really bad day in the 1980s when he had that karate kid competition with Daniel LaRusso, Ralph Macchio. And he got kicked in the face and he landed on the ground. And then he was embarrassed right after with Kreese fucking pounding on his face in the parking lot. It was just an embarrassing moment in his life. And they mentioned in the show that he was the All-Valley champion um, last the year before while he was a junior and he just fucking he he knew that he peaked and his life spiraled downward from there if they had gone with focusing on ralph macchio as the main protagonist and put johnny lawrence as the villain that would have been way too superficial it would not have been relatable in any way Ralph Macchio, Daniel LaRusso, as it is right now, is not too relatable as a character. And he's arguably the antagonist. Or he, at least he was a main antagonist for a little while until Kree showed up. Um, because that guy also has an ego of his own. Even even though, even though Miyagi, the Miyagi style of karate um, defies the ego and puts... And puts uh, the self-defense at as its uh, value set, first and foremost. But it's also, you know, I, I think as they go along, and and Ralph Macchio goes back to Okinawa, and he meets with Sunsen. I forgot his name. He learns that he's supposed to go on the offensive sometimes, and so I thought that 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 aspect and 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 learning about learning more about those martial arts styles and their philosophies is, is actually pretty interesting. So I, I think that is just one unique aspect of the show and exploring all these different styles of martial arts because they all inherently come with their own philosophy. And I think that's super interesting when they clash against one another. It's like, yes, the the who, who can be the most badass and yes, like who is like which martial arts is the most superior uh, superior out of all of them matters like that is definitely a very entertaining aspect of the show but i think what also matters is it's it's moral standing and and johnny lawrence's style of fighting is often brought into question because you don't know whether 
it's it's valid or not because he ended up being a loser later in his life so all of these things that he's teaching his kids you don't know you know whether they're going to end up in the same path as him and and as we as we saw in the end of season one they're all angry they're all uh full of rage but they're but he still has that sense of camaraderie he still brought the sense of camaraderie back into cobra kai and that's what was so special about Cobra Kai to him as a kid. And he brought it back for for a younger generation. He brought back the camaraderie. He brought back uh, self-defense and and being badass and taking charge and and taking the initiative on things that you would otherwise be really scared of. And so those kids, especially Miguel, needed Cobra Kai in their lives. And Johnny was able to provide that for them. And I think it's also interesting, too, when we talk about Miguel, because Miguel provided him a second chance. In season one, he's broken, he's drinking, he's bitter, he's calling people like he's calling his clients and and his customers bitches. And I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, it's just what happened at the beginning of season one, right? He doesn't know what to do with his life, and then he ends up seeing Miguel getting beat up by by you know a pack of bullies, and and you know fate repeats itself, and he ends up protecting the kid. And and he originally he doesn't want to teach him; he doesn't think he's worthy. But I think that's what does make him worthy is the fact that he just does not want him to end up in the same path as he does. So he's he's tentative at first. He's really like just second guessing himself and he's like no i can't i can't teach him this i can't he's gonna he's gonna end up in a destructive lifestyle but then he questions himself and he says is this really a destructive lifestyle is it because i i was i was at the top and it was just my own particular case where i felt that i couldn't do anything anymore like i i've conquered all that I could, and now I've fallen, and now I failed. And and he goes to Miguel, and he, and he finally decides to teach him. And, and he sees Miguel as his student, as his most prominent student. And he sees his mom, and he develops a romance with the mom. And he sees both of them as a second chance. Because he failed his son. He, wasn't, he walked out on the day of his birth. And he held that to himself forever. But he was a drunk wandering around. Just... Uh, he was, as the Beatles would put it, a nowhere man. And it's heartbreaking to see a character in that state, but you see him come back. And I think that's just the most beautiful part of Karate Kid. You see him you see him conquer again, and he's winning, and, and yeah. But he's not perfect. Johnny Lawrence is, is not perfect by, by any means. So he regresses into a lot of his old habits, and but Miguel sees past it. Yeah, John is William Zabka, the guy who plays him, uh, has a lot of. He cares for his character a lot, and and you could tell that he's put a lot of thought into his performance. And uh, I'll I'll let you hear him speak for himself. So I'm gonna play an interview for you right now. Season one, where I went home from work, and I was I. Realized that Johnny Lawrence isn't me any isn't mine anymore, like because I went into this thing. I'm the shepherd of Johnny Lawrence. Like I know Johnny Lawrence. I know this character. I'm protective of him. Everything that happens from him, I, you know, I should have a I should have a final vote on, you know. And there was a couple scenes that I'm like, 
he's so far out of my hands now. And wow. But he's the same heart, but but totally creatively they took it. So it's yep. okay. Yeah. So there that was William Zapka and he's uh he was in an interview with uh, Sirius XM and, and they were talking about um you know the writers handling the character of Johnny Lawrence, but he's very protective of him and, and he doesn't want them to dishonor him in any way doesn't even want them but you know he has a certain level of trust and respect for the writers especially john Hurwitz. i keep met referencing him but um yeah there's a lot of care that goes into crafting this man because he's he's a real person at the end of the day he's somebody that has faced some difficulties in his life it was not able to overcome it and then he sees an opportunity and just is able to rise above it and i think that's that's why people resonate with him so much so that is my take on johnny lawrence and crease is definitely uh one of the more interesting characters in cobra kai and, and karate kid uh not more interesting than johnny because I, johnny's like our main johnny is definitely my favorite protagonist of it uh, i daniel larusso's fine but yeah johnny johnny's king uh, so, Crease. Um, I like what they did with Crease. Um, I like that they've made him into a person that has faced trauma, uh, has has gone to war, but is also has has made it. The writers made it so that. You can understand he's very manipulative as a person because of the circumstances that he had faced as a younger guy. And and for that, he's just highly adaptable in any in, in any circumstance. So he sheds skin, like just just like a cobra. He sheds the skin of of what was old and he embraces the new skin to adapt in his new environment because 2020 and Definitely the second half of, of the 2010s is a brand new environment and he totally fucking realizes it, uh, which is something pretty amazing that the writers take on. And let me just point out that the writers do a really good job, a great job rather, at not being partial toward any particular character. Like if they're going to have an antagonist, then they're going to give him layers and even though you may you may not necessarily agree with their motives or or like them as a person you can understand them and i think that's always the point that the writers try to get across like any main protagonist or antagonist like they have some level of depth to them even tori tori uh has is working two jobs she has other things to be worrying about she which to be fair, there are some very lousy character choices that they make with her, but I'm not going to delve deep into those. I'll probably mention them as we go along, but yeah, it's just, it was horrible. So, um, it, he, there's a really great example of him shedding skin and becoming adaptive uh, in this one scene where they're all at the city council meeting and and he it's his turn to speak, uh, to vouch for um bringing the all valley tournament back into all valley i think it's georgia they they say on google that the cobra kai dojo is actually located there so but it's his sermon to speak and and then ralph like daniel larusso he interrupts him and he goes hey what the hell man look councilwoman uh 
Councilwoman Roberts, he's he's full of lies. And and Chris says, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Daniel. It's council person. And and she notices that she respects his his fucking solidarity with uh, with with that movement. And she goes, thank you, Captain Crease. And he nods at her back. And then Johnny's just he's he's smacking he's smacking his head in the background and he's saying oh man this this guy like he's not saying it but you could tell by his body language that he knows crease is full of shit and that was just funny to me i like how they're doing it but they show that like he knows how to survive in the 2020 environment and he knows what to say to get himself off the hook so he's not like crease is not a fucking dumbass and (laughs) uh man uh i i think with the type of person that crease is the performance that the actor gives for him uh, the facial expressions everything about him it's just it's fun um i'd even say borderline it's camp it's i was gonna say zany but it's not zany it's camp um it's and it's super fun if i had a youtube video i would i would probably make all the facial expressions by the way i have a very I, I'm open to requests. So if you want to see me make any copy, any type of facial weird, uh, outlandish facial expressions that the characters use on the show, feel free to reach out to me at RS is number one. And I'll fucking send you that picture. No doubt. No doubt. I have no problem with that. I'd love to do that. I'd love to do that for you guys. Um, yeah, but okay. This is what, so let me, uh, uh okay. That's Kreese, right? He's Trump. He's I. The backstory uh, of him in Vietnam it was impactful. It was like it made us understood who he is. But man, he like there are some moments in the show where I'm like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" You know, uh, as a viewer, right? And as a guy that critiques film and movies a lot, like that, like is actively thinking thinking about certain things when I'm watching it, right? So he. <laughs> he's training his kids to be killers literally kill to to be home invaders and like i said before why is that guy incentivized to go and be <laughs> go and be crease's little little poster child little army boy when he has other things on the line he has scholarships to be working about he has college He's going to be starting his first year of college where he's going to be banging so many babes. So, it, it, like, having, like, all these kids, you know, coming in with the, with the pretense of crease making them into the ultimate weapon um, is bullshit. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they have to be realizing that they're just doing his bidding. And I know I've ranted about this before, but it it's it's like a hard sell. And especially the way that they go about it. Haha, <laughs> suckers. You can't you can't handle the Cooper Kai, man. <laughs> shit shit, dog. What? You were barely there for a month and now you're committing a home invasion. I'm I'm stuck in that part. I know that. But it's just it's too unbelievable to exist, even for Cobra Kai. He's training his kids to be killers. Like there's uh, Tori also has other things on the line. 
also has a mom to take care of. She's working two, three fucking jobs. She has rent to pay. She has her mom's dialysis that she's got to worry about. And she has a little brother. She has a little brother that most likely needs tutoring. Why is she committing fucking assault and battery on people that probably even shouldn't be considered worth her time? Because at the end of season two, Miguel kisses Sam in public for everybody to see. They're a little, they're a little drunk. Okay, it's like they're teenagers. They're prepubescent. They're not prepubescent. They're fucking teenagers. Their sex hormones are out of control. Okay, God, kissing other people happens. So Tori sees that and she loses her fucking mind and she goes, she goes and she get like she gets on the fucking teleprompter. And she's like, hey, Sam, where are you at, bitch? I'm coming after you. You kissed my man. You know what you did. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fucking kill you. And that's literally what she was about to do until, until Miguel was knocked out of the second floor. I was like, what the fuck? Ugh. She, she grabs her, she grabs Sam by the hair and she gets these fucking spike knuckles and she's like no mercy and she looks like she's good but she's about to take her fucking eyes out of their sockets it's crazy it was fucking bananas and like there there are moments where like that are so bananas that it's like a little bit too much for cobra kai at times yeah yeah but they're he's training them to be killers and he like crease stepping into the mind of the character he still thinks that he's at war and that is where my pitch comes in that is the beautiful part of cobra kai because if they're going to be zany then my suggestions are going to be zany at the end of season three they miyagi-do and eagle fang join forces now i looked this up okay or at least I saw this on a video by Looper. And Miyagi-Do practices Okinawan karate, karate and, and Eagle Fang practices Tang Soo-Do, Korean karate, a Korean karate variant. They're, uh, they're different styles. And they join forces to become more formidable. But I predict... That they're gonna experience some heavy, heavy losses. Um, as it as it stands right now, there's 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 got to be an end to this. There, like John Hurwitz and and his guys, they're not planning for a season five. I think if they're gonna be, unless they want to stretch it out, which I have an idea for that. But for right, for as as it stands right now, like. There, there's going to be like an all valley tournament at the end of season four and that'll be the end of it that's that's just you know if they if they want to keep it in like a contained story not do any spin-offs not do anything crazy like that not get, not make it into this this wild franchise then i think they should just and and stick to the mold then it's it's got to end at season four no doubt um yeah so i think what I'm going to be doing right now for the pitch is talk about, uh, like, I'm going to work in my predictions, but also talk about 
how they can do a season five. Okay. So more of that when I return momentarily. Do you love coffee but hate carrying around the extra cups? Well, try using your hands, you fucking chump. Three, two, one. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, we ended up getting a sponsor last minute. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That's not a real sponsor. I wish it was, but, you know. But but really, guys, uh, try using your hands instead um, uh, for the coffee. All right. Um, we are... I'm finally... After teasing it for so long, I am finally going to be talking about my ideas for seasons four and five. So I'm sure all of you are excited to hear it. Shut your fucking mouth! <gasps> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, uh, yeah, like get him out of here. Get him out. Get him out. Uh, that wasn't. Uh, it was inappropriate. I'm sorry you all had to uh, hear that. Um, seasons four and five. Okay, so. Uh, I got a lot of great ideas for this one, and I think it, it took me like 30 minutes to think of, but um, there's, I, I think this is what the creators of the show are going to be going for, so let me just get into it. Um, and I think a lot of you will be surprised to see that, you know, the predictions that I'm going to come up with are probably going to be spot on because I, I do happen to be a screenwriting genius. I know. Uh, oh, God. Well, I'm surprised nobody booed me. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not a genius. Uh, at least as far as I know. Uh, okay, so Crease. All right, so season four. It opens, in my, in my idea, I'm envisioning it as... The best way to go about it um, and what will ultimately set up the the building blocks for season five, you know, my idea for it. Uh, he calls, Kreese calls one of his war buddies who happens to be invading a secret Russian military base. And they're running, they're running an operation in Alabama, not too far from Georgia. So Kreese, he plans and he goes and, and he wants to make a visit. And he ends up going to the military base. Uh, some of the older war buddies that served with him in Vietnam, they're very welcoming toward Kreese because in season three, they showed flashback scenes of, of Kreese saving their lives. So this would, this would, you know, build perfectly off of what was already established and what the writers were originally intending. And by the way, they showed a phone call between Kreese and one of his old war buddies in four. Okay. Uh, and and so, you know, most of the soldiers are very welcoming and they see this guy and they're like, oh my God, this, this is a revered man. We should automatically trust him. We should, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but this is the general idea behind it. And there's a many, plenty of ways of writing this out. So, them but some of them right some of them that are natural born killers they can innately sense what kind of person crease is so but crease is still there in certain in, in certain parts of of season four okay he's not at georgia the whole time he's kind of doing two things at once but he has his shit together and he's not facing any real um 
he's not facing any real problems when it comes to Daniel and when it comes to Johnny, uh, just as long as they're, he knows how to divide them and they're prepping for the All Valley Tournament. They're focused on smaller things while Crease is like focused on the big picture in mind. So we go back and we see Johnny and we see Daniel LaRusso. Okay, they finally have their own dojos um, joining forces and they're becoming more formidable, at least at the beginning, right? But um, they naturally get devices because divisive because their own styles, they clash against one another and it's causing a rift between them, not only them, but, but the students. Um, and so they're all having trouble dealing with it. And, and they're able to resolve some things along the way, but there's just more and more animosity that's built up between Daniel and Johnny and their egos come into play because like I said, Daniel has an ego. Daniel is very much in the business of himself and promoting his own philosophy. And that means rejecting any other type of philosophy that that does not coincide well with his I'll just put it that way and but crease out of all of it still has his shit together and and he's able to he's able to divide them even more and he still has an integral role at uh at swinging the final wedge or putting a like a final wedge between them like a French fry wedge. Um, so Crease is at the top secret military base and he's actually advising those guys on how to deal with the Russians and uh, and he wants things to go south. He's purposefully doing it. He's purposefully compromising the integrity of the mission so that things can go south, okay? And and this is this is all being set up in four, okay? I haven't even gotten to five yet, but this is this is where it's going, okay? So we go back and uh, we focus on Johnny and Crease. There's drama. There's drama with the kids, but but the heart of the show, the real moral conflict, is between Johnny and Daniel. So this is like as far as I've thought of it. And we go back and and we see Johnny and Daniel like bringing more and more of their egos into the into play. And. And, you know, they're just not able to do it anymore. They're just like, you know what, guys, this is over. Um, you know, we just can't work together. There's some, there's, there's something that just, uh, you know, puts the hatchet down, uh, for, for lack of a better way of phrasing it. And, and okay, so this is, this is like where the creativity comes in on my part. At the midpoint they're um or actually a little bit past it the midpoint is where they they're they're just like officially split and they don't know uh they don't like the, some of the kids are disaggregated it's it's a midpoint um but i think a lot of students uh that were part of miyagi do and and eagle fang they're able to see past it and they're able to kind of group together and still practice for the all valley championship meanwhile uh, Crease, you know, he goes back, he goes back and forth between Georgia and Alabama. He's, and, and, but he has his own students. He relies on his own students taking the lead, which they're able to pull off fairly well. Uh, Tori, for example, she's proven to be a great leader. And Robbie, he's also proven to be a great leader. And, and 
they have a love affair okay they're they're the leaders of of Inglefang. okay so we go we go to uh johnny we go to johnny and and he had a plan between seasons two and three and what was the plan what right what was the plan what are you are, are you trying to are you trying to tease us or what guys come on come on keep your keep your cocks in your pants all right um listen i think okay so he had he has a plan to burn down miyagi do he was extremely he was extremely angry and broken after the events of two and he just couldn't take it anymore so he had he wrote down somewhere in his memoirs or his diary or he told, he confided in somebody that he was actually going to go and 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 uh and burn down Miyagi-Do. He blamed he blamed Daniel LaRusso for all of it, okay, for for destroying his hope and and Miguel, like I said earlier, was symbolic of that hope. So, um so Daniel finds out about it and and he and he confronts Johnny and Johnny says, "Well, I didn't actually go through with it, did I?" But the one person that does go through with it is Crease. And so, you know, in a subsequent turn of events, he actually has one of his students he has one of his students go to Miyagi Miyagi the Miyagi Dojo and and he burns it down with fucking kerosene and and, and he lights it up or uh, some of them do and they they plan to get away with it they plan to get away with it and and pin it on on johnny and and it showed that johnny was a hypocrite for saying to his students back at the beginning of two hey don't get your opponent while they're down uh but that's that's exactly that's exactly what johnny did to daniel that's it. That's exactly what Johnny was planning to do to Daniel in in between two and three. Daniel found out about it, but he's not exactly he's not exactly sure if Johnny actually burned down Miyagi Do. So this is this is what happens after. This is in the mind of Daniel Larusso. He's like, well, no, I confronted him about it. Like he he couldn't have done this, and he said that he wasn't going to. As much as I hate him right now, like this is this this couldn't have been him, but Daniel. Being the egotistical asshole, uh, very much in the business of himself kind of guy, being who he is, he can't forgive Johnny. He can't forgive Johnny for everything he's done. He's he's ar- Johnny has arguably started all of this, all of this mayhem, all of this burning, all of the cars being destroyed, the ones that Daniel actually inherited from Mr. Miyagi. None of it would have happened if it wasn't for Johnny. Daniel doesn't give two shits about about fucking Miguel. He cares about his daughter. He and he cares about her her own well-being. And because of the events of Cobra Kai, she's not even able to go to college anymore. She's not like she has too many fights on her record for college for colleges to look at her and say, "You know, I think I'll let her into my institution." Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. No. His his whole that that whole prospect is ruined. Because of Johnny, and he brought back Kreese, who's fucking ten times worse than Johnny, who has no moral standard whatsoever, and and Johnny has arguably destroyed everything. And so, okay, so in the fire, there happened, 
this is my plan, okay? Kreese doesn't have any blood on his hands. It's it's Johnny and the authorities go after him. But And in Daniel, he's not so worried about proving that Johnny is innocent because he has other things to worry about. Like there are some students of his that are injured and they, and they still want to compete despite everything that's happened. And they face a huge loss, huge loss. They, they, they lost one of their instructors. They lost one of their instructors that, that they were emotionally attached to. So they decide, okay, guys, we have to band together as Eagle Fang, as the true Cobra Kai or as true Miyagi-Do, whatever name they take on. They're just like, fuck this. We can't let them put us down like that, dog. Right, dog? Man. <laughs> we have to go and compete. We have to prove that we can kick ass. We have to prove that despite everything that we face, we can kick someone's fucking teeth in. And that's where they have that moment of badassery. And I think that would be a really great moment if, if fucking Miyagi-Do was burned down and they brought they like came back despite all of it. So, okay. Um, Johnny, he's he's on the run. He's like the authorities have no idea where he is. Johnny is able to defend himself. Johnny is able to survive. He's always been able to survive. Like he was at his lowest point, uh, like when season one started. He's able to just live off of fucking single sliced pizzas and beer uh, from 7-Eleven. He's, he's, he will be fine. He, he knows how to be a drifter and he knows how to be a survivor. He's been a survivor for at least 30 years, but he'll survive knowing that he, that he trained a, a group to become badasses like he was once was. And I think the more, the lesson here is that they didn't actually they're not peaking with the all valley championship they're they're learning to become champions they're learning to to adopt it in, into the championship champion mentality and he hopes that's what actually happened for miguel and and so he actually finds in in my version of what the screenplay would be he finds a way to to he, he finds miguel he finds a way to show up at the, the tournament and he looks at him, he has a small conversation with him, and he has a small conversation with Daniel. And Daniel does the hardest thing that he could possibly do, which is forgive him. Forgive Johnny for what he did. And Johnny is, is, is has just accepted his failures, and he's ready to move on. He's ready to become a drifter, and he's just ready to it just... It, he, he's, he's failed again, um, but... He's failed again and he's and he's just he's not going to walk out like he did with his son. He's going to the authorities. He's going to face whatever punishment he did. He's going to stand he's going to face the punishment for what he for what he uh for what he was accused of and he's going to stand trial and he's going to he's going to prove that he's innocent. He's going to try in his life again. He's going to try because of Miguel and he's going to try because of Miyagi-Do. He's going to try uh and and Daniel is going to help him, and and everybody is there to support Johnny. But then, then the Russian helicopter is headed into Georgia for the final shot. Okay, it's Red Dawn, baby. It's Red Dawn. Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, so Kreese Kreese loses the competition, but he's like, 
only the strongest can survive. And and for that, <laughs> I I want there to be a new red like I want there I want us to put end our opponents, bring them out of hi- hiding, uh, whatever dormant st- stationary nuclear developing tactics that that they've been used to for 30 years they're actually we're gonna he's like we're gonna bring these commies out of hiding and we're gonna kill them all and and then his students are gonna be like oh yeah i fuck with that no some of them are gonna be like well what the hell crease is this was your doing Uh, this is if they really want to shoot for a season five uh you could bring the military involved you can you can have the military involved in some way dude and okay, so it's cool because in season five, uh, Kreese's group become the head honchos. They they're in charge, and they they take back Georgia from the Russians after being invaded, and and Cobra Kai and Miyagi Do they they they're disaggregated but they they're trying to band together again and they're like okay wait a minute these guys are actually killing russians and killing people that that are not complying with the new cobra kai rules and and he's he's taking the strongest out of everybody he's leading a group of soldiers and and they're totalitarian and crease has his own nation state of cobra kai's and and miyagi do and and John Kreese, like they're they're trying to train more badasses. They're trying to recruit, and they're trying to defy. They're trying to uh, battle what what Kreese is 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 shooting for. It's it's kind of far fetched now that now, I've, now that I think about it. But I think I definitely hits hit on point for for season uh, for season four. I think I. I think I accurately predicted what they're going to be doing for that, but Red Dawn. Um, okay, so I think they can. Well, like, there's a lot of philosophical battles going on throughout Cobra Kai, and I think this would make sense. This would make sense because now they can get into like, oh, should we kill or not kill territory? So you know, you 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 can explore the moral complexity of that. And you can see whether you know all um, all lives are worth saving, or whether some of them like actually need to be put down. And you know, and and this is a chance for you know ideologies to come at play and see which one survives the most, which one actually you know leads to fulfillment, leads to happiness, but also but also leads them to survive so that's i think it's a little yeah i think while i was thinking about it i was like oh this would be fucking great i i think i think a lot of people including the directors and the writers would be interested in this idea but it could be just um what do you call it illusions of grandeur yeah yeah in your fucking dreams rydog god what do you think this is this is a real world the baby hmm. so that's my pitch for four uh i think i i definitely i i didn't i four was more well thought out uh five um if they really wanted to they can do 
uh, they could do something along the lines of, of Red Dawn. And if people don't like it, like, here's the thing. I fucking hate this. People say, like, uh, when they, especially for new Star Wars movies, this is what kind of fucking annoys me. People say, oh, man, oh, God, the new trilogy, they ruined the fucking Star Wars franchise for me. I hate it now. I hate everything. <laughs> Everybody just, like, gives a, a cat hiss to a franchise that's been ruined, quote-unquote ruined, by the newer movies. And it's like, no, it hasn't. But when it comes to Cobra Kai, like, for fans, for people that are fans of the show, if they think that 4 is uh, is, is the true conclusion, then they should stop there. But if they want to see more character development, it, like, like, if they want to see... They're, the characters that they love in crazier circumstances, then five would be would be perfect for them. And so I think this is so. Kreese could be developing uh, the idea for five throughout four, and and the uh, the stakes for five and and everything that's about to happen for five uh, could be hinted at in a post credit scene for four. So that's how they can go about it. I, I think I don't think it's too far fetched, and I think a lot of people would really like it. I think a lot of people would like seeing Miguel with the fucking machete, or or a baseball bat, or a baseball bat wrapped in uh, barbed wire, like Negan from The Walking Dead, or have uh, fucking Johnny ride in a motorcycle and he has a shotgun and he and he's killing people. Like that would be super cool, wouldn't it? That has to like. That has to resonate with somebody. Anybody that's listening. Man, if if nobody likes this idea, then Johnny was right about society. We're all just a bunch of pansy asses, all right? Including me. Because I wasn't able to, to, to persuade anybody. All right. Uh, WandaVision. I liked Wanda, WandaVision. I think it was great. Um... Oof. I had that whole spiel about fucking Cobra Kai, and now I have to talk about WandaVision. It's kind of cray, man. Uh, anyways, so... Um, uh, I think it was uh, cool for what it was. Um, it was a sitcom, and... Was, uh, something a lot different from what marvel studios has previously done i was just getting a drink of water i this, here's my take on it i i like the character the characters i like how charming they are the fucking wandavision and or wanda and vision rather they're they're perfect for each other and i like seeing them on screen and i love pl having them play off of one another i i think it's just a cute romance tv tv show and a cute romance is actually what a lot of sitcoms are, are based on especially in the 50s i love lucy and all those other ones that you know i i i can't uh name because i haven't seen them and i i've never seen one episode of, of i love lucy but that's like the proverbial standard of what a sitcom in the 50s would look like yeah so there's that uh i like i said 
when they're doing a sequel, people writers have to consider the logical order of what the characters, where the characters would be next. And I think this is a fitting subsequent subsequent tale of where Wanda is. And the reason why I'm leaving out Vision is because I don't think Vision is real. I think he's a simulation. I, or maybe he isn't, but I'll get into it. I promise. A sitcom, uh, first and foremost, is where happiness can thrive. It is like there are no real stakes. There, there are problems that there, there's like smaller conflicts that happen within each episode, but it's like all conflicts that happen in the episodes, except for like two part specials. With the exception of those, all conflicts are mutually exclusive. Like, they don't play, like, you know, that whole thing that happened with the town and the talent show and, and you know, being scared of uh, of showing their powers to, uh, to the public. You know, it was just, it was only one episode. And the one that came before it of, of having the, the older couple at dinner, like, there's no... I mean, there were no stakes. So, and and they didn't they didn't build off of each other, but there is sort of that uh, looming, eerie feeling in the background. We're just like something's off. Something is just off. Like in that scene where they're having dinner uh, in episode one, the guy he's choking on his food, and the camera angles are suddenly changing. They're 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 changing from sitcom camera angles, like f- like f- from far away shots, and and. And then they do like zoom in close-ups and, and they're, you know, capturing the facial expressions of each of each person that's at that table. And the wife, she's, I don't know what she's doing, but she's smiling and, and I, I don't exactly recall what she was saying, but it, it, this person didn't want to acknowledge that her husband was choking. And I guess that character in that type of world was not designed to respond to something like that happening. So it's interesting once you once you like really get into those rabbit holes and and really delve deep into what a sitcom is in its essence. But uh, it's okay. Endgame, Endgame is worth or at least was the event where Wanda. Uh, Actually, no. Infinity War is where Vision died. And Wanda comes back and she doesn't... They, they don't really show her grieving. But I think this is her way of grieving. And and Vision's back. So it's it's a little bit weird. But it's, it's all... To me, it's all a simulation. Because they show in the trailer... They have the shot of... Of one of the agents... Uh, she's putting her hand on the edge of the simulated world that they're in, and she's touching all these pixels, these uh, these cubic pis- pixels. And it's it's just a little funny to me because what's going to? I think there's going to be some interesting revelations coming next. I, I think that she's going to realize that that Vision's been dead this whole time, and and she purposefully wiped her memory. Or willingly went into the shindig so she can live in a perfect world of blissful ignorance and and where happiness always thrives. 
and where there's some level of conflict, but not too much conflict. I mean, it's like after coming, after fighting fucking Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet and all of his creatures that were that 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 was literally a horde of rabid alien dogs, something that's absolutely fucking horrifying. Yeah. I, I would want to live in a sitcom too. I would hate I would hate living in the real world. So it, it just it makes sense that Wanda would want a life of her own and would willingly go into it to this but to wipe her memory. So that whole intercom thing where the guy is saying, Oh, who's doing this to you, Wanda? What's going on? Like I I, I wanna save you, man. Uh I don't think I think Wanda misjudged the intentions of the person that put her into the simulation. I think that's what is going on. Uh, and I, I don't know what they're seeing on the outside, but it's there's something... There's actually real conflict here. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited to see if Vision is actually alive or dead. Because he can't be he can't be alive without that infinity stone. The, the mind stone is fucking gone. It's it's all been destroyed. So it it just doesn't make any sense unless, you know, his brain was recalibrated like they were explaining in Infinity War. And and somebody might have been able to do that. And the character that they were hinting at that I was kind of watching a couple videos on. Uh his name is a Green Green Reaper, and they they hinted that he's actually the guy running the simulation because uh there's a there's a cutaway there's animation in the second episode where vision uh he's animated and then the, the grim reaper the grim reaper's cowl appears it appears in an attic and in an attic and apparently according to the comic books and according to this guy that i watched he's actually the br- brother of wonder boy and related to vision in some way and he brings people back from the dead or at least that's what he did in the comics but i think he's the guy that's running the whole shindig so they're probably introducing a new marvel villain which is actually something very fun something that i also really like about the mcu is that you get to play a lot of guessing games which is super fun i like guessing games and uh, I that's what my friends and I were doing back when Infinity War and Endgame came out. It was just a lot of fun, and I like I, I I like that Marvel Studios is back and they're producing more content. And I also like the fact that we took a break from them in 2020. I it's just it was like too much. I think there's just the public couldn't admit to itself that there was a lot. There's too much at one point. But if you had that complaint, if you had that worry, then I don't think people are going to be okay with the MCU going forward because there's so many TV shows. There's so many um, movies that are coming out. They're going to be releasing three a year. So it's just fucking bananas. Everything is bananas in my world, but uh, my throat. Uh, Yeah. So here's the other interesting part that I wanted to bring up. They're, the names and the advertisements, the cutaways into the advertisements, they bring up Stark and then they bring up Hydra in the second episode. And I think it's interesting that they bring up Stark. And and I think he's his company was involved in some way because I think Tony Stark created a fail-safe 
for Wanda because she, he realized how how dangerous she could be. She wiped out like in the first movie that she's in, she wiped out 50 Ultron Ultron bots at once. She just disintegrated them. And she could disintegrate at anybody if she's if she's emotionally crippled in any way shape or form. Like she's actually like I think there was one producer that argued she was the most powerful Marvel character ever. Or at least the the, the most powerful Marvel hero for that matter but she could probably take down thanos uh, by herself and so tony stark it is it does make sense for him it did it makes sense that he would have created something like that for her just to fail safe in case anything went wrong uh but he didn't go through with it but somebody fit but somebody else getting their hands on his technology has also been a trope in the MCU. So I feel like that's also what's going on here. It's happened with Spider-Man like two or three times and it's it's probably happened with the Marvel character, but I can't another Marvel character, but I can't recall it off the top of my head. But and it's probably going to happen again and again. Uh all the Spider-Man villains are are based are related to Tony Stark in some way and have f- some form of grievances with them. And yeah, that's that's kind of what's happening to Wanda. Um, I know that I said that I would be reviewing these episode by episode, and I kind of am. I'm kind of like, I, I'm. It's more of a guessing game that I'm doing here, but it's a fun guessing game overall. And as the show uh, progresses, I'm going to be having more people on, um, just to talk about WandaVision. I also want to be reviewing more movies too. I think movies that are coming out recently and old movies that i personally have nostalgia for deserve their own uh ris time um so yeah those are my thoughts uh for the most part on wandavision there's there was more uh actually that that i touched on pretty much everything that i wanted to go over performances are great actors are charming uh i love all of it uh so far and i can't wait to see what comes next so Guys, wow, what a long, long episode. This is probably the longest that I've ever done it by myself. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will make sure to have the timestamps. I will make sure to post it on Twitter. I will make sure to get back to all of you in case you have any questions. Guys, if you have any questions, just just shoot them to me. I'm I'm here. I I love questions. I love I I love uh when people want to guess with me. Uh, I also love having guests on the show. So if you can think of anybody that would be a great, uh, of great use to RIS, feel free to reach out. No, I'm just kidding. We don't use anybody here. We don't use anybody. Okay. I just want to make that clear. Uh, but it's been great. I, I had a lot of fun with this episode, especially uh, doing the second half. I was a little bit groggy at first, uh, and then I, I kind of warmed up to it. Okay. Guys, that is the end of RIS number six, part two. Be sure to tune in next time. Uh, peace. And uh, one thing before I go, air guitar contest. Okay, bye guys.